Okay, well, we've been talking about a lot of stuff over the last few months and over the last few weeks. So what I want to do right now is give you an opportunity to practice some of that, okay? We've talked about how prayer is a key thing here. Prayer is something that's uh, the lifeblood of a Christian. Of, uh, it's how we connect with the living Lord. And today we're going to talk about uh, more intentionally over the next few weeks about discipleship. But before we do that, uh, the enemy is always against us. Do you understand that? He's always against us. And so we always want to be praying against any attacks the enemy may want to uh, uh, put on us. And so what I would like you to do, would you pray protection in your own heart? Would you begin to pray protection and God's releasing of his blessing over the service? As I speak, as, as we continue in ministry and music, can you practice that? Can we do that? Okay, this is important, and you want to ask the question, Lord, what do you want to say to me, right? Because he'll show you, and then you want to say, what do you want me to do about it? And he'll show you how to pray into those things. Does that make sense? So we got to start practicing the things that we're talking about, and we can do that in this space. Sometimes it's hard, but we can, we can pray in this space, right? Okay, so I'd really appreciate that. If we would continually be praying during the service, um, we want to go where he goes. And we want to be with him always, so we have to be sensitive to his movement. Amen? All right. Well, today we're going to talk about more intentionally about discipleship. And we're going to do this for the next few weeks. And I'm really excited about this because we're building a discipleship culture. And to do that, we believe there are four major things. One is discipleship, intentional discipleship. The other is prayer. Uh, And the last two are community and mission. These are four values that Bridgewood holds dearly. And we think they are non-negotiables. Okay? And you cannot have one without the other. They all work together to create a discipleship culture. But some of us have a different understanding of what discipleship is. What does it mean to be a disciple? <clears throat> and so today we're going to talk about a little bit about what it's not and then what it is. And we'll continue to do that throughout uh, the next few weeks. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what it's not. Growing up, anyone, anyone insecure in here? There we go. Look at that. Great. I am too highly insecure by nature. Work really hard not to be, but I am. And I remember all I wanted to do growing up is belong. How many want to belong? We all want to belong, right? I wanted to belong. And it took me a long time, and I still have to remind myself that I belong first with Jesus. I don't have to, um, you know, do all these wonderful acts in order to gain his love and acceptance. He accepts me as I am and then transforms me from the inside out. But I didn't know that growing up. And so I would look around me and see the people that I would want to be like so I could fit in, right? I mean, it's kind of an elementary understanding, but it's one that we deal with every day. It's just as adults, we make it seem more mature, but it's really not, right? And so um, I went through this phase. It was a horrible phase, and I don't even like talking about it. Um, but I'm going to today. Um, and I feel like every, t- every time I mention something, the staff always does a prank. So I'm, I'm calling this out. So if they, do, if they prank me based off some of my insecurities later, all right, I'm going to tell you about it so you can hold them accountable. Is that okay? Um, anyways... I, I looked at people around me, and, and the people around me that were really cool, that got all the good, intention, good attention, were the skater guys. Now, I grew up in a beach community, so it was surfers and skaters. And surfers, 
seemed just really dumb to me. And I surfed my whole life, but I wasn't one of those guys that was like getting brain fried by the sun every single day. And these guys would be like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be that. And skaters kind of had a balance. You know, it was like hit or miss. You find an intelligent one that was still cool, and then you found one that was not. But I thought, I'll go there. I can blend in, right? Not too dumb, not too smart. Can go right in there. But they dressed a certain way. And I couldn't afford to get some of the clothing they had and this and that. So I would go, you know, to, the, to Goodwill and whatever. And the thing then was you had to sag your pants. And I know some people still do that. I'm not going to show you what that looks like. But you had to wear them down to here. And then you wore, back then you wore big baggy shirts. And you had these skate shoes. And so I had these skate shoes from Payless. And everyone made fun of me. There's, and I, Payless is great. Don't get me wrong. But in a community where I grew up in La Jolla, California, so it was really wealthy, right? So you didn't have the brand names. You were an outcast. I mean, it's that shallow. So one day, I do a complete makeover. Complete. Now, it's too drastic. So if you're ever going to do this, gradually do it, right? And no wisdom. Zero. So I walk in one day from dressing more like this to dressing in these huge, baggy pants. I mean, they were so uncomfortable. And I was sagging them, like, too far, like, way too far. They're around my knees, and I was doing this. It's a true story. It was horrible. I'm doing this. I have this big T-shirt, and the only big T-shirt I had was purple. And back then, purple was not the end color. It was, like, black or gray, dark gray, especially in the skater thing. And then they all had cool haircuts, so I thought I would do. I had my hair. My hair was, like, really long. It was gross. So what I decided to do I thought would be really cool is if I shaved it all underneath and then I put it in a greasy ponytail. No dates. Zero. And I did all this. I put all this work into it. I did all the things I observed that you had to do to get into this group of people. And when all said and done, I looked ridiculous and was, I mean, I couldn't even get in. They booted me out before I could even get in. And it just, and I would, that was a pattern in my life. I would look at the people around me and I would try to do whatever it took according to that social structure to be part of that. And sometimes we think the discipleship, being a disciple is about doing all the right things and all the tasks and, and being heavy on all the doing. And we can, we can get really excited about it and almost go overboard. Have, has any of you seen this in the kingdom? That we go, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and you, you fight for justice, and you do it all in the wrong way. You, have, we, you know how many things humanity has done, evil things, in the name of Jesus? Because we've overcompensated. We thought, all this doing, God must honor this. I'm fighting for, G, for Jesus. Think about the Crusades. I'm going to... I'm going to destroy this group of people because they don't believe in Jesus. They believe in and They do all these evil things and justify it by the name of Jesus. They're doing it for Jesus. And they do all these things and it goes overboard. First off, Jesus doesn't need us to defend him. Okay? You know that? He doesn't need us to. As disciples of Christ, we also think we need to argue everything. We need to get in these debates with these theological debates and pound them over the head with the Bible, and that is being a good disciple. That is not being a good disciple, I'm telling you right now. I used to do it, and it's not fruitful. It does not create 
good, healthy relationships, and it definitely doesn't lead people to Jesus, it makes them really mad at you, and you've just lost that relationship. Remember, Jesus doesn't need you to defend him, but exemplify him. And he didn't need to defend himself in the scriptures. He would answer questions, but his actions did all the talking. So when we think about being a disciple, it's not about doing, doing, doing. Believe me, there is, we have to do stuff as disciples, but it comes out of a place of being in his presence. It comes out of a place of what he's doing in you and through you, and you respond to it. But for some reason, we think a disciple is someone that has to take the battleground on his own strength in the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? So when we talk about discipleship here, we're not talking about that kind of discipleship. We're not. I would argue this, that when you look in Scripture, discipleship is a call to holiness and righteousness. Discipleship is a call to holiness and righteousness. And that seems kind of confusing, considering we just said discipleship is not about doing all the right things so that you can belong Okay? It comes out of belonging, and God transforms, and your actions do all these things. And so when you hear holiness and you hear righteousness, you almost hear task-driven language. Well, how do I achieve holiness? How do I achieve righteousness? Well, I better do the right things, obey all the commandments, this and that. And we talked about last week about holding the tension. That Jesus always held the tension between the extremes and did something beautiful. And... We talked about the woman caught in adultery. And here are the Pharisees who would consider themselves righteous and holy because they obeyed every single law. But God, Jesus didn't identify them as holy and righteous. So when we hear holiness and righteousness, we, we need to redefine what those mean for us. Because they look like task-driven things. Got to be the right way and do the right thing. Holiness and righteousness is simply about one word, proximity. I've said that before, but we're going to focus a little bit more on it today. Proximity. How close are you to the Father? How close are you to Jesus? Because Romans 3, this says there's no one that is righteous. No one. Not one person is righteous. Not one person is is holy. You only achieve that through the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Through his death and resurrection, we have access to holiness and righteousness, but it only comes to our proximity to the Father. How close are we to him? How close are we? Because when we look at discipleship, we look at it as an equipping relationship, right? We look at it as, as you become mature, that God builds us up, So we come to him, we say, Lord, I believe in you. I want to, uh, I identify that I need you. And sometimes we think that's enough, but discipleship is now equipping people to live with Jesus. Notice I didn't say live for Jesus, okay, because that's task-driven language. With Jesus. So when we build a discipleship culture, we want to take people from their decision to believe in Jesus now to learn to walk with Jesus. And and let's make something clear. 
It's a fundamental understanding that we all need Jesus. We all need him. And unhealthy discipleship can come out of only the understanding of that we need him and create habits of just doing stuff for him because we want to prove ourselves worthy of the need. But if we leave it at just needing Jesus, we're going to miss a whole other part of him. Because he doesn't want you to just need him, he wants you to want him. Do you understand how important that is? I hate those movies, you know, those, those romantic comedies or romantic movies or whatever. Whatever movie has a romantic element where the guy says to the girl, the girl says, God, I need you. Has anyone ever seen that kind of thing? I need you. I need you. For some reason, the other person wants to hear that, that, you know, the other one needs you. Really? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that someone actually wants me, desires who I am, desires the qualities that I possess and, and the character that I have, not just what they need me for or how I can be used to help them out. I want to be wanted. Now, guess what? Jesus doesn't need you. You were created because he wants you. And so our response to him shouldn't be, Lord, I just need you, but Lord, I want you. And discipleship comes from not the place of needing him, but wanting him. Good, healthy discipleship comes from a place of wanting him. Does that make sense? It's so important to understand. We will not be the disciples God has called us to be if we only move out of need. If we only move out of need, we're going to miss him. And I'll tell you what. Most people approach holiness and righteousness and get really overwhelmed. And then they even dismiss needing it. It's too hard. Has anyone ever felt like that? It's too hard. All this task stuff, it's too hard. Well, we could put this on the screen. I want us to look at 1 Peter 14. Or sorry, 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16. Um, if you follow along on the screen or in your Bibles, please bring your Bibles every Sunday. Okay, it's the Word of God. Even if we're going to have it up here, but it's always good to have it. It's always good to, to be in it. And this is what Peter says. Peter says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. So to be a disciple, first and foremost, we need his presence. Right? Right? And when we're in his presence, we become holy as he is holy. Now, Peter is talking to uh, what scholars to believe are Gentiles. And Gentiles um, who are experiencing, uh, Gentile Christians who are experiencing per, or, uh, uh, persecution and suffering. And Peter is trying to encourage them. And when you, when you have persecution in your life and suffering, it's easy to fall into bad habits, is it not? You almost feel you're entitled to them, don't you? It's been a bad day. I'm going to go do this, even though I shouldn't. This has been a bad day. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. And Peter is saying, no, because what happens then is you separate yourself from the one who makes you holy. 
And you leave the, the discipleship relationship in that moment. Because remember, it's about proximity. If discipleship is a call to holiness and holiness is about being with him, then when we decide, you know what? I'm going to go outside of who he is to find comfort in my need of suffering and persecution, then we're separating ourselves from a discipleship relationship. Now, does that mean that God doesn't have grace for us and receives us back? No, it doesn't mean that. Okay? We know that living with Jesus is about the ebbs and flows, and, and he's, his grace is not cheap, and it's powerful, and I get that, but we can't abuse it. And so discipleship, as we see here with Peter, he's calling these disciples of Christ to remain in the place that makes them disciples, and that's God's presence. And moving, moving on a little bit to um, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, and Peter makes the point that it's not just about being in his presence. We've got to also be equipped in his presence. We also have to keep pressing forward in him and getting to know him, not just about him, and we'll talk about that in a second. So 1 Peter 2, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So here, Peter identifies that discipleship is a non-negotiable, and it's about growth. And the amount you do does not signify growth. The amount you do does not signify growth. Markers of growth in a discipleship relationship are tested by situations. So if God is loving, if he is kind, if he's, is, if he's gentle, if he speaks truth, if he's merciful, if he's gracious, situations test what you've learned from the Lord. How many prayed for patience? What did you get in answer to that question? Trials, right? Because situations test the maturity of the disciple. So it's not about how much you do that, that says how much you've grown, but it's how you are in the midst of everyday circumstances. And that's what Peter's saying here, is that there's going to be persecution and there's suffering, but you have to endure by being with Jesus in such a way that you become holy as he is holy and you begin to grow. So if we think just doing things for the community and then putting that notch on our belt going, yeah, we've done things for the community, is being a good disciple. It's helpful to those people, but if it doesn't come out of a response of what God is doing in your heart, then what's the point? Because discipleship is all about growth. In Jesus' presence, in who he is, not what you do. I cannot stress that enough because you're going to, hear people in the Christian community all over the place that identify being a disciple as doing stuff or just going on mission, and those are all great things. But if it doesn't come out of a place of wanting Jesus and responding to who he is, then as far as we're concerned, it's an empty response because it's about self-validation then. Am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? Am I... Am I getting all the little stars on my star chart? When you see people blessed and receiving healing because of how you've related to them, how you respond to them in such a way that they see Jesus, that's how you know you're growing. That's how you know 
Because you're not, you're not trying to achieve anything other than being God's presence. And his presence brought you to this person. It says, be with this person. And he speaks to you and you do whatever you want him to do. But it comes out of a response to want him and want that person to want him. Are you tracking with me? And uh, one of the great things is that Jesus is always with us. He's always with us. He always wants to be with us. The problem is never with God. Okay? When we experience some of this conflict and disciples, being disciples of Jesus, the problem is never with God. It's usually with us. And I think for some reason we forget his promise that he'll never leave us and never forsake us. And sometimes, yeah, circumstances make it hard for us to see him, identify where he is. And that's where we trust his promises, that he's still there in the midst. He's still doing a work. And that brings comfort. And so as God calls you to places and to people, because you want to be where he is out of that intention... You must remember, as a disciple of Christ, he's always with you. That's the hope we carry. That's the hope. That's the hope that he's always here. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That's the promise. So that when we are are going out and making other disciples, teaching them how to live in Christ Jesus out of their desire for him, as we do that, we're imparting to them the hope that he is always with us. And that empowers us through the Holy Spirit, to do the things we're called to do, not just to do them, but because God has moved us through his presence into those places. And that brings great comfort. Yesterday, I had a terrifying moment as a parent. You know, one, my daughter is now learning the, um, I'm going to slap my mom and dad in the face and see what happens move. Parents, you know that one? I'm sure you do. And then they give the cute little smile to manipulate you into not punishing them. It's like, bam! <laughs> right? So Gracie's been doing that. She's, she's been doing better. She's been doing better. But uh, we have this little playground thing in our backyard. And we were out playing in the backyard. And you know when you turn your, your head just for a moment in the other direction? I don't I, I, Kids, they can barely walk at that age. I mean, they're, you know, like this. But somehow they move at lightning speed. You just don't know how it happens. It just happens. So I turn around, and Gracie is climbing up the slide, going like this. And I've never seen her do anything like this yet. So I'm like, <gasps> and I'm, I panic first. That's my first go-to response in that kind of situation <laughs> because I was caught off guard. <gasps> and so I run over, and I kind of like, okay, she's doing all right. And I put my hand there, and she's going up. She's going up. She makes it to the top, and I'm a proud dad. At that point, I'm like, my daughter's not even two. She's a beast. At least I think so. Maybe, maybe kids are doing that at six months and mine's just way behind. I don't know. But I was so proud of her. But she kept wanting to do it. And she, she would cry when my hand was, was off of her. She wanted to know I was with her. So I would just, I wouldn't help her. I just kind of put my hand there. And um, that would give her comfort to do the things that she wanted to do because she knew I was right there. I wasn't getting in her business, but I made my presence known so that she could find comfort and peace in what she was doing. And for her, it was probably scary because she's never done it before. 
How often does God call us into places we've never been before and we're terrified because we feel ill-equipped, yet he says, I give you everything you need for life and godliness. You just have to access it. And the only way you can do that is by being in my presence. So it was a real learning experience for me because I watched my daughter recognize that she... One, she needed me at the time, but as the time went on during the day, I could take my hand off and just stand there. And then when I would walk away, she would give me that look like, come back. Not a whine now, it's like a come back. And it turned from what I hope, this is what, this is what I interpreted, was needing me to, no, I want you to be here with me. I want you to be here with me. And that was cool for me. And maybe it's just because I knew I was doing this message today, and I'm just projecting into that. But it's, it's what it felt. She identified the need, but there was also a sense of want because of the relationship. And being a disciple of Christ, if we want to really be a biblical follower, disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that it's not about just needing him. It's also about wanting him. And when we want him, we want to be where he is at all times. I, I remember always wanting to go where my dad went. Growing up. Always. I always wanted to be where he is because I felt safe. I felt comfortable. I felt like he was always there with me. He was always going to be there. And I had fun with him and I enjoyed my relationship with him. It's just like with God. And I wanted to be there. I, didn't, I wanted him to be around me. It wasn't because I needed him. I knew I needed him for some things, but I wanted him there because of who he was and is. Now, if we can live in that reality, there's nothing we can't do as disciples of Jesus Christ. There's nothing we cannot do because we're always moving in the power and the presence of Jesus. And now the world will see great things done in the name of Jesus and not bad things in the name of Jesus. And people will begin to see the fruit of a relationship with Jesus Christ because we're not trying to task, be taskmasters, but we're trying to usher people into authentic, wonderful relationship with Jesus. And so as we continue to talk about discipleship, I think it's so important that we have that fundamental understanding that it's not only that we need him, but we want him. And discipleship is a call to holiness. And the only way that we become holy as he is holy is if we're with him. If we're not with him, we cannot achieve a holiness. And it's not even so much achieving as it is a result of. Because I, I, I've, the Lord has taken me through a lot of stuff, and I'll say, I'll say this in closing. I have learned through a lot of mistakes I've made and a lot of intentions in my own heart that I don't care so much about being holy as I care about being with him. Now, let me state, holiness is important. It is. But if I just want holiness and not him, then I've missed it. If I just want to be validated for good actions in Jesus and I don't want him... I've missed it. 
the thing that's most important question to ask yourself is, do you want him? Because if you want him, you're going to go where he goes. You're going you're to face those challenges of, how do I hear the Lord? What is he saying to me? This and that. That can be challenging at times. But you'll go into those areas. You won't give up because you want him. You want to be where he is. You want to know him in his love and grace. You don't want to know just about him. You want to know that love you hear about, that you read about every day, that you can see in people's faces. You want that reality in your life, but you will not experience it if you do not stay where he is. It will not happen. We are bringers of love and joy and holiness. That's a disciple. And it comes out of being with him. Simply being with him. That's your task. So being a disciple used to make you anxious because of all the things you thought you had to do. Guess what? You only have to do one thing. Be with him and he'll lead you the rest of the way. Just be with him. It's your only responsibility is to love him and love your neighbor as yourself. And he does the rest. Go where he goes. Because you want him. God's good, amen? And guess what? He wants you so badly. And it breaks my heart when I don't see that myself. When I don't think I'm worthy. What what am I saying to God's grace when when I measure his love based off worthiness? He wants each and every one of us. I hope you want him too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you invite us in. That you come to us and you say you want to be with us. And I, I pray in Jesus' name that we would begin to respond to you in such a way that so we, we're here, Lord. We want you to. I know I need you. And I thank you that you meet that need, but I also want you. I want to know your love and grace. I want to go deeper in who you are. I want to see all that you are, all that you have, all that you want to do. So I just pray in Jesus' name that wherever we are in our relationship with you, that you would lead us to a place where we go from uh, nothing to need to want. May we identify our need, and then may we identify our desire to know you, to want you, to be where you are, because we want to be your disciples. But I don't want to be a guy, Lord, that just has a a self-righteous clipboard that says, if I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, I'm a good disciple. Lord, I want to be transformed from the inside out because of who you are in me so that other people can be transformed. To me, that is what I see a good disciple is. I see you leading your disciples in Scripture through a process of transformation. And it wasn't so much about um, their task as much as the condition of their heart and their desire for you and how that manifested itself in the work they did because of their desire to know you better, to want to be where you are. So I pray that you begin to break down the strongholds and the boundaries and, or the barriers in Jesus' name, um, Lord, that have kept us in a place of isolation, that have kept us out of your presence. We ask in the name of Jesus you would break those things down, that we would see the invitation as clear as day, and we would say yes to you. 
in Jesus' name so that we could receive healing and wholeness for the wounds that we are carrying so that we can be renewed from the inside out and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, not because we need to, but because we want to, because we see the transformation that happens when we're in your presence. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. We pray that you would bless our our tithes and our offerings and that we would continue to give faithfully and consistently to you, to your work that you want to do out of a place of us responding because we love you. May we continue to trust you with our finances, trust you with our relationships, trust you with our jobs, our time. It's all for you, Lord. May everything we say and do come from a place of being in your presence. We thank you. Hallelujah. Holy is your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.